0: Welcome to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode number seven, and it starts right now.
1: Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, go to araxum.com, that's A-R-A-X-A-M.com.
0: So this is a happy hour, and what happy hour is complete without a few beverages? Ryan, what's your drink of choice today?
1: Uh, today, I during this happy hour, I am drinking a German beer, it's a Hefeweizen, it's one of my favorites, it's by uh, Hofbraum HB. It's something that you have a lot, you know, especially when you get towards that Oktoberfest time. But here in the summer, it's definitely something that I enjoy all year round. So that is what I'm drinking during this happy hour. How about you, Chris?
0: You know, it's summer, and for some reason, every time we get uh, closer to summer and uh, the heat is on, I like sours. I realize it's an acquired taste, but uh, I've always been a fan of it. So I went with another Dogfish Head uh, today. It's a Sequench ale, and it's got a little bit of lime in it. And I know you have a general rule that You shouldn't put fruit in the beer, but because it's an acquired taste, uh, I, I do like a sour from time to time.
1: You know what, Chris? That actually is my wife's rule, but I don't mind a little fruit in the beer. We now have our beverages in hand, so let's get started. He's Chris Casale. I'm Brian Smith. Thank you again for joining us this week on the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you haven't learned already or could tell, marketing is a passion of ours, especially the the digital marketing. So we think you're going to enjoy this episode. Our goal out of all these episodes really is that you can help your business achieve results so you can reach your goals.
0: This episode, we're going to continue our discussion around content and SEO or search engine optimization. In the last episode, we focused heavily on content and content delivery. But in this episode, we're going to focus on one of my favorite areas – I am a hardcore data geek, and I love this aspect of things, and I think it's very, very important. Today, we're going to focus on some of the strategies and tools you can use to mine your existing data for relevant information that will help influence your SEO and overall marketing strategy.
1: So with that, we have five areas to focus on where it concerns your SEO and your data. So we hope this will help you guide through this episode that you'll be able to make better informed decisions on your SEO performance and therefore then your strategy. So Chris, let's talk about our first focus point where it comes to SEO and data.
0: So the first key is using search trends and volume to guide the content you develop as well as influence branding and naming for your business. Before I get too deep into this, it's important to mention that when we talk about data, there's lots of, I mean, you've heard the term big data. There's lots of ways that businesses are collecting information and data these days. For purposes of today's discussion, we're primarily focusing on two free tools that you should be employing for your website. The first is Google Analytics, and the second is Search Console. Google Analytics will collect very specific data about your website, how people are visiting it, what pages they're viewing while they're there, uh, some information about them, such as demographics and device information. And then search console is meant to be a little bit more obscure because the data is uh, anonymized, but it helps you get a sense of what search terms people are using, how they're interacting with your website, and any potential problems your site may have, such as mobile viewability and things like that. When we talk about search trends and volume, what we're talking about is the keyword phrases that people are searching at any particular time. There is sort of an ebb and a flow to that. Certain phrases go in and out of style, and I can think of one Very important anecdotal story that was shared with me years ago. I can't remember the name of the company involved here. So if you're familiar with the story and you happen to know, hit me up on Twitter and and help reignite my memory on that. But there was a company that ran an e-commerce website and they primarily focused on baby bottles or products for newborns. All of a sudden, one day, they got a huge spike in traffic for a particular bottle that they were selling. And for the life of them, they couldn't figure out why. It took about 30 days for them to kind of sift through the data and determine that what had happened, essentially, was that there was an article that ran in a national newspaper that talked about the dangers of BPA found in plastics. Unbeknownst to them, this article was published, and they had a listing for a baby bottle on their website that specifically mentioned BPA-free plastic in the bottle. So naturally, people read this article, they go on and start searching for BPA-free plastic bottles, and theirs is the first that comes up. That's a perfect example of what we're talking about when we say search trends and volume, because all of a sudden they used a keyword that was highly relevant that created the spike in traffic and spike in business for them.
1: You know, you brought up some great points, and I think it's important to go back and do that keyword research, go through the analytics, look at these these trends, because sometimes just these small, subtle differences can make the biggest uh, changes in your website, in the amount of traffic, even the rankings that you're getting. So uh, it's really important to really dig down, do the research up front. And, of course, you really don't stop doing that research process because, as we know, behavior changes, keywords change, how people use those different keywords, that changes as well. And, of course, we didn't even really get into the international aspect of it where you have a keyword means one thing in one area of the world. That same word means something completely different in another area of the world. So you also have to not only just research your audience but also the location of your audience because those keywords could be completely have a different meaning depending on what part of the world you're in.
0: And we're also talking about general use keywords, right? The example of jogging shorts versus running shorts. When you're searching for a pair of running shorts, what phrase do you use? And that's true of most products out there. There's variations in the language that we use. So by looking at some of the tools that we mentioned, you can get a sense of what is it that people are searching and how does that align with what you're currently selling and or, or, you know, or the service that you're providing and how do those things match up. So making sure that you're going through your data, taking a look at the search trends, the volume, taking a look at services like Google Trends to get a sense of what's happening in the world today and where you sort of align with that can really help influence your SEO strategy overall.
1: And I think that is a great point, you know, and when you look at Google Trends, which I think is great, it's important to, to you know, look at comparing, they have a tool there where you can take certain keywords if you're not sure about one thing we, you know, it's talking about from an international standpoint, you have football, and you have soccer means two different things uh, depending on what part of the world you're in. I think Google Trends, you can put those in, you know, select the area, maybe the United States, maybe you want to go over different parts of Europe, whether it's United Kingdom or Germany. Obviously, football is going to mean something different, you know, in the US than football means over in Europe. So using something like Google Trends to see how those words are being used, and obviously context is big, you have to understand how they're being used. When we take a, a, a more current example, looking at Google Trends, and and if you're trying to write about something very topical, well, one of the most topical things I think right now to talk about is... Covid 19 and coronavirus, and it's really interesting to see how, as consumers started becoming more educated, you actually started to see the word coronavirus was well all anybody knew. But as we became more educated, the technical term is Covid 19 that people are using, and Dr. Fauci's using it. You're hearing it more and more. We saw the trends of coronavirus actually begin to go down, and about the third week of March, which, by the way, that is when uh, the week after the WHO said, okay, we now have a global pandemic. You would think at that point, coronavirus would continue, that search trends would continue to go up. It didn't. It actually began to decline. Now, it still has a lot compared to COVID-19, but when you look at the trends, people searching for COVID-19 related searches actually began to increase while coronavirus began to decrease. And again, that's behavior, that's education. You don't realize this unless you are doing research and going into tools like Google Trends to follow search behaviors. So for people who are doing their marketing messaging, we saw a lot of it, a lot of businesses trying to include the coronavirus or COVID-19 and maybe how their business has adapted to those changes, writing articles and writing emails and blasting them out to their clients. It's important if you follow these trends, what are the keywords that people are using? What's resonating with them? So Google Trends is a great tool to follow along with that. So that way you can stay in touch with what your users and your potential clients, that's what they're thinking and using when they are searching in Google. So it's, it's important to see is, you know, over the course of this pandemic, how something was very popular and it's still popular in the, using the word coronavirus, but you know, not quite as much in COVID-19 really seems to be way more popular for people using it every day. So if you don't stay evolving and, and staying on top of this, you might be using a word all of a sudden in coronavirus that less people are using, and it actually might behoove you to insert COVID-19 into some of your copy that you're using. So definitely something that's topical, but also fluid at the same time.
0: And the trends are very important because we're advocating that you use data to influence your organic strategy, your marketing strategy, because data reflects real life. And to the point that Ryan just made, in April of 2020 alone, Merriam-Webster Dictionary added terms Uh, to the lexicon specifically for COVID-19, terms like intensivist and physical distancing. And they also added abbreviations for WFH and PPE, which respectively means working from home and personal protective equipment. So it's reflective of what's going on in the world and the way people are thinking and typing, which will coordinate with hopefully the website and the service that you're offering. The next point that we wanted to talk about or key focus area is a customer first strategy. Data shows behavior. If you go into your Google Analytics and you take a look at the acquisition stage, how people are acquired to visit your website, whether they came through a referral link on another website, whether they performed a Google search, uh, what keywords potentially they used, You know, how did they arrive at the site? What page did they land on? What was the, the landing page? From there, where did they go? Is there a call to action on that page? Did they engage in the behavior that you expected them to behave in? Or did they bounce? Did they leave immediately because perhaps the results didn't match what their expectation was? The data will show you not just how people are arriving at your site and and, ha- and ways that you can influence that, but how they're interfacing and experiencing your website. And so by focusing on a more customer-centric or customer-first Strategy, you can improve that overall experience for your users, which should result in more business as well.
1: Digging deeper into okay, so how do we make this experience better uh, on our website? One example that I always like to go to, especially if I'm working with a new client, they're just not getting the results that they wanted with the amount of leads. One thing that it's a common problem I do see is, when the user gets to the website, they just can't find what they're looking for. So one thing I like to look at, and this also helps too, are they finding the page they want? And the other thing is, what is it that they're looking for? What are they typing in? It's the site search on your own website. And you can connect that to Google Analytics, and Google Analytics will provide those keyword terms that people are searching. So this tells you two things. One, it's clearly something that's popular if you're seeing it on the site search and you can start saying, okay, maybe we don't have enough of this topic that we're covering on our website. Maybe it's a product or service related. So it's something that you offer, but people are doing a site search because they want more information on it. Two things you can get from it. One, okay, maybe we need to write an article about this. We need more information. That would be one thing that you can take from looking at the site search and seeing the keywords that people are searching for. Here's the other problem. You could actually have a well a page that describes it has this keyword in it it talks about everything that that user the information that they would need okay you have it but they're not finding it this also helps you from the customer that user experience maybe it's too buried in our website it's taking three clicks maybe more clicks to get to it you can adjust that page so that it shows up higher maybe maybe in your menu navigation so using that you could readjust with that so again it'll help define on the site search keywords that people are looking for when they get to your website. If you don't have enough content around that, you can create more content. And then third point of that is if you already have that, it just might be too difficult to find and you can move the menu navigation so that it's easier to find uh, for people when they get to your website.
0: So continuing our discussion about customers, that'll move us into Uh, focus area number three, which is buyer's journey matching. For those of you that are not familiar with what the buyer's journey is, HubSpot, you're going to hear us talk about that company a lot because we think they do so much very, very well. Buyer's journey is essentially the journey a person goes on when they're purchasing a product. HubSpot has defined it as three stages, awareness, consideration and decision. And just to keep this at a very high level, awareness is when you might realize that you have a problem, Consideration is when you're starting to differentiate ways that you could potentially solve the problem, and decision is when you start selecting a brand to come in and fix the problem, or perhaps a product that you're gonna purchase and things like that. All of us go through those stages in the buyer's journey when we're considering a product or service. So the data becomes very important for this because what we're telling you to do now is to look at the data to get a sense of what search terms are bringing people to different pages of your site so you can create content for different stages of that buyer's journey. So just as a hypothetical example, let's say that you're in the flooring business, right? At the awareness stage, you might say, All right, I think it's time to replace these carpets. They're getting worn. I want new types of flooring, but I don't even know if I want to replace it with carpet. So what options do I have? An awareness search might be something like hardwood flooring versus carpeting or carpeting versus tile or something along that lines. It's a very, very high level. What are the pros and cons of each? What are the things I need to know? Right? Then you might move a little bit further along in your buyer's journey and say, All right, I've decided I don't want carpets anymore. I'm going to put hardwood in. What types of hardwood flooring exist? Right. What are my options for hardwood flooring? So now you're a little bit further along in the buyer's journey. I, I need to learn everything I can learn about hardwood flooring. By the time you get to the decision-making stage, you you might say, "All right, I've decided it's going to be hardwood, and I want bamboo flooring." So now your search might be something along the lines of, "I'm looking for bamboo flooring here in the Tampa, Florida area." Right. It's very focused and very narrowed, and I'm looking for somebody that can provide that service. So it's mining your data. What we're advocating for is mining the data to ensure that you have content for each stage in the buyer's journey. Because while it's important to have that decision-making information, if you can reach customers as early in the buyer's journey as possible, all the way at that awareness stage, and help them along the process, You become somebody that's provided information and support to them and can help influence that decision-making process if the product or service you're offering matches with what they're looking to solve.
1: And I think, you know, we're talking about the different types of content. There's a lot of different types of content you can create. I think it's important you have your inbound methods and then you have your outbound. So we're not talking about the outbound of creating content where it's for, We're not, at this point, not cold emails. We're not talking about billboards, uh, radio ads, nothing like that, Just just to clarify. The types of content you can create are something like what you're listening to, a podcast, a webinar. You can create, if this works well in the B2B space, especially in tech, white papers, blog posts. Long-form blog posts can create articles, how-to articles. These are all different types of, again, content types. Infographics still work amazingly well of getting attention and they get shared a lot. That's the big thing, helps build your brand as well. Case studies are amazing that people, you know, when you're really trying to sell, and eBooks. And before you get into eBooks, a lot of people say, ooh, that's a book, I'm not ready to write a book. Most eBooks are compilation of a series of blog posts. It could be 20 blog posts, and all you're doing is writing your transitions and maybe, you know, adding chapters to it, but you're repurposing that old content to new. So these are basically the bulk and videos if I didn't say that, of the types of content you can create. And now we'll talk about the different stages that you can use some of those, the awareness stage, for example, great at the high level where you can get people to reach out. We're talking, again, we talked a little bit about white papers, ebooks great to build that awareness checklist you know bringing people to your website they give you their email address all of a sudden now they're downloading getting that uh that checklist how to videos educational nothing here that we're talking about it the content of the of awareness is sales oriented if you've listened to these first few podcasts we kind of drove home it's It's not about selling up front. That happens down the line. When you first get introduced to somebody and they're asking you to buy something, you're immediately turned off. All you have to do is open up your, your LinkedIn account, look at your messages when you connect to somebody and they instantly sell you something. You're like, it doesn't work. That might work one in a thousand. Hey, that's what I need. So that's a turnoff. In the awareness stage, it's all about education and creating content that goes around that education. Next stage we get into is the consideration stage. I think checklists, again, work also well for that. Sometimes different content types you can use throughout each stage. But it's important, again, you're getting into that, as we call it, that middle of the funnel. You could also get into case studies. These are people who are now familiar with you, the types of content that you can create, again, to sort of show your product or service the results of it. Again, not salesy, because these are people that are now inquiring about it, you know, demo videos, if you have that for your product as well. Now you get into the webinars. Again, creating another webinar. Instead of being so much educational, now you can maybe get into a little bit more of your product, but again, educational about your product. And then bottom of the funnel, you get into where we're now talking about maybe a free trial, you wanna offer some sort of consultation, anything along those lines, you're getting, again, creating content, hopefully getting them to purchase. But you hope at this point you have sold them all on your experience, your authority in the space, that trustworthiness, that EAT, which we talked about, which is big in the SEO world. The last episode, episode six, we talked a little bit about that, that is involved in each stage of the buyer's journey through that. So those are the different content types for each of the main stages of that buyer's journey.
0: All great examples, Ryan, and it's also a key why going back to the second focus area we discussed is is having that customer first strategy helps all around. Moving into focus area number four, a lot of the things we just talked about are what are referred to as on-page SEO. In other words, the things that you can do on page, on your website that will influence that organic strategy. Now we're moving into more of off-page SEO or rather the things that happen off your site that will influence your organic strategy. So key area number four is networking. And when we talk about networking, what we're talking about is the number of backlinks or partners or people that are linking to your website or any given pages on your website that you have. It is critical to network in the space and to understand why people would link to you, because essentially when you link to another website, what you're doing is lending your authority, your credibility to that website. it's, It's an endorsement of sorts. So having other websites lend their credibility to you or endorse you is key in building up a successful organic placement. If you think about it, if you had two web pages, right, one from... I'm going to use big brands in this example, right? Let's take a Home Depot. If they are selling a particular product in the hardware space, let's say a particular screwdriver, you might have a lot of people that talk about that and link to it, and it's Home Depot, so they get, they get a lot of authority as a result of it. Then you might have Joe's Hardware Store also offers the same screwdriver. Right, Joe's can actually outperform Home Depot in this space if you have a lot of people with a lot of credibility that link to his page over the Home Depot page. So that's just a small example of how being small and agile and nimble in this space can actually benefit you if you are able to build up some of that credibility and authority through backlinking.
1: Chris, with those examples that you talked about, how does a digital marketer go in and look to see, are they getting backlinks? Where are they coming from? What are some of the tools that people can use for that?
0: So sticking with free tools, Search Console is where I always start this discussion because it will show you a list of other sites that are linking to you. If you are able to pay for more premium services, SEMrush and Moz are two of the most influential in the space. They have some fantastic offerings that will allow you to see not only who's linking to you, but who's linking to your competition, which is a subject we'll get into in just a minute. But this helps you get a sense of where you are so that you can begin that networking process, right? Reaching out to others in the space, requesting a backlink, maybe offering some reciprocity and linking to them, and finding ways to build up your authority in the space.
1: One other premium tool I'd add to that I think is uh, really effective I found is Hrefs, uh, a premium tool. It's not cheap, but if you're an enterprise, it, I think it's something along the lines of an SEM Rush. It's important to incorporate as one of your tools that you're using. Lastly, going back from an SEO tool, one that I've really kind of been playing around with in the last few months, haven't even publicly talked about this a lot. Goes back to uh, Neil Patel's tool, Uber Suggest. I think he's done a great job. He's had it for a little while now. and keeps adding on to it, and it, there it's it's a free premium version. So the free tool does give you a lot, especially if you are an entrepreneur, startup, small business you know, you maybe during the summer 2020, you've cut all back of your marketing expenses and eliminated a lot of tools, you need some free ones, some quality ones, I would suggest Uber suggest by Neil Patel, it'll tell you a little bit like the backlinks uh, coming to your website, it'll audit your site for free, I think it might give you like 100 pages or something like that, or 50 something, it'll give you a, a number, and it'll tell you where you need to, you know, maybe add beef up your content on certain pages, a little bit of the technical side. So those are just, again, some tools that are out there. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll have another dozen or so. But these are the tools that we use ourselves and we found to be really
0: effective. And kind of rounding up our discussion on this, and we just mentioned the competition, but that's focus area number five is as you're building up your network, you also have to know where you stand among your competition. So what organic rankings do you have for particular search phrases and what pages are listed? But then backlink authority and things like that. And so all of the tools that Ryan and I just mentioned still apply to this area. And Search Console is another great example of getting a sense of how you rank four different keywords at different stages, similar to trends that So you have to remember that that changes all the time, right? As you're trying to increase your ranking, so are other websites. So you might rank in the top three one week and find that drop drastically two weeks later due to, you know, perhaps changes in the algorithm that runs the search that Google offers. Uh, But it could also be your competitors working on different strategies to move themselves up higher in the ranking. So it's important to constantly monitor that to know where you stand and to employ strategies to improve those rankings.
1: And adding on to that, Chris, it's it's important to know not just your standing as well. It's also important to you know kind of peek over the fence and see how your competitors are doing. A lot of the tools we just talked about are great for that. SEM Rush, one of my favorite tools. Ahrefs, again, plugging in your competitor's URL, you'll find all the keywords that they're ranking for what are users typing in to get to their website you might get some ideas you might learn something new about them so again knowing where your competition is is important in every aspect of business seo is no different either understanding the data of users getting to your website is one thing understanding that you know getting some data about how customers are getting to your competition is just as important so plug in your competitors url make that part of your quarterly auditing process when you audit your own site, also audit your competitors as things change and SEO is very fluid. It's important to see what they're ranking for as well.
0: So that wraps up the five areas we wanted to focus on, but we wanted to leave you with two quick parting tips regarding quantity and quality. In order to find out the quantity of organic traffic you're getting, Google Analytics is going to be one of the best tools that you can use. If you log into Google Analytics and you go to the Acquisition tab, you'll be able to see how people are getting to your website. And if you click into Organic Traffic, you'll get a sense of some of the keywords they're using and key phrases that you're ranking for. Now that only tells you part of the story that will show you the quantity or the number of links or clicks that you're getting for particular keywords. It is critical that you also assess the quality. And what I mean by that is every page that you have on your website should have a very, very clear call to action which is a behavior that you want the customer to engage in once they have consumed the website so how do you know if you're getting quality traffic well you should have conversion tracking set up in google analytics so that you can see when people landed on the page did they in fact do the thing that you asked them to do if you're unsure of how to do this get on araxum and Google why aren't you measuring conversions there is an article that Ryan wrote 5 years ago that still resonates true today a conversion is simply any action taken that leads to business value right and those conversions might look different at different stages of the buyer's journey that we discussed earlier you know we're not a conversion is not necessarily a sale it might be handing over their email address to download a white paper or to get you know to engage with more content You have to measure conversions to see if the content, if the tactics you're deploying are working. So despite everything we discussed today regarding SEO and regarding data, if you take nothing away from this podcast, make sure you go through the business exercise of assessing what equates to a conversion. What are the conversions that you as a as an individual, as a business are most interested in tracking and set up tracking for those items? And with that, we hope you
1: got a lot out of this podcast with the tools to use. We didn't reinvent the wheel, but we wanted to reiterate a lot of these tools that we have found to be extremely effective. We hope you learned of maybe some areas in analytics on your website to take a look at, to better your SEO, your organic ranking, to provide a little bit of a better user experience, and also maybe some tips to, you know, looking at your competitors and how maybe you can apply what they're doing, take a little bit from their basket and and put it into your basket. So with that, Chris, let's transition into our Keeping It Light segments. What are you uh, binge reading or watching these days?
0: so i'm actually reading a lot more lately and i picked up a book that i've had on my bookshelf for probably at this point i want to say 10 years that i had every intention of reading and i just never got around to it it's called peopleware productive projects and teams it's a book that was actually written in the late 80s and it talks about managing it's primarily focused on managing software development teams but i think it really applies to any information age worker and sort of the keys to successfully managing your people the same way you manage your processes and tools so i need to pick up some pdus to maintain my pmp and uh, this book has been on my list for a while and i have to admit it's broken into small chapters of three four five pages so it's very light very easy to consume and very informative what about you ryan what are you watching or reading these days
1: Yeah, so definitely in a uh, Netflix binge, um, I'm a little late to the game uh, on this next one. You hear a lot of talk about it, you know, and then a series ends and you kind of feel like you're you're at a point where, okay, I need to try something new. So just started Schitt's Creek with, uh, you know, dan and eugene levy and Catherine o'hara and if you're a fan of the christopher guest movies back from the yeah guess what the early 2000s the for your consideration best in show best in show was uh, just a favorite of mine it's that same kind of comedy that same kind of humor and it's in this tv series now schitt's creek and i think it just ended uh, it's sixth season so of course when something ends i'm like oh maybe i should go start checking it out now so they're short talk about consumable 20-25 minutes and after the first three episodes i was like oh Okay, you know it, it, it had to get through those, and it's just hitting its stride, and it's 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 hilarious. I, I think they're just extremely talented actors, and Catherine O'Hara is her performance is phenomenal, and the the way she delivers her lines, it's uh it's it's great. So that is what I am totally binging right now.
0: That's a fantastic one. I am eagerly awaiting the release of season 6 on Netflix, but I agree with you 100% loved everything about it. it. took me a little while to get into it, but boy, I would say it starts to get really good about fourth or fifth episode in season one and by season three it's just on a roll where you're you're laughing with every episode and they manage to strike a lot of emotions. So uh, definitely recommend it as well. It's a good one.
1: Well, thanks, everybody, for staying with us on this extended, a little bit longer episode. We'd ask you to please go in and leave us a review if you thought it was great. If you thought it was just okay, give us an okay review. But it's important if you go into an iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, go in there, please leave us a review. If you got any value out of this podcast or, you know, maybe even got a slight giggle, let us know. Share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues, and help us spread the word about the Digital Marketing Happy Hour.
0: We really hope you got some value out of this. We absolutely love doing it. It is our mom's favorite podcast, and we hope it's yours too. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us an email, podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. Or reach out to us on social media. You can hit me up on Twitter at Real Chris Casale. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E.
1: You can reach me on LinkedIn. Just do Ryan Smith Marketing, or you can do Ryan Smith Araxum on Twitter and Instagram. Ryan Smith FLA. That's at Ryan Smith FLA. Also, last but not least, if you haven't done so yet, please, please, please subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss any more of our hideous podcasts. Uh, hopefully, it'll light enlighten your day. Thanks again for joining us, and we can't wait to see you next week.
0: We'll talk at you then. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at araxam.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com Thank you for listening.